Welcome to the Officer Media Group Roll Call Podcast. Officer Roll Call is meant to inform and entertain. Now, let's get into this episode. Good day. Welcome to this episode of our special series with uh, AT&T sponsorship. We're going to talk about active shooter response. This is one part of six, and we're absolutely delighted to have AT&T as our sponsor. In an emergency, whether it's an active shooter situation or a natural disaster, you need a reliable way to communicate with the extended public safety community. That's why FirstNet is here for you. It's the first and only nationwide communications platform built with and for first responders. With a dedicated platform, prioritized connection, and no throttling, you can communicate when it's most critical. Visit firstnet.com to learn more. When every second counts, first responders count on FirstNet. Joining me today is Mr. Stephen Devine, representing FirstNet. How are you today, sir? I'm great, Lieutenant. Thanks. Uh, please do call me Frank. I quite thankfully retired from the lieutenantship. I get to keep using the title after 40 years. Um, but let, let's get into this. So I, you were kind enough to send me a lot of information. And as a, a longtime veteran first responder, having responded actually to at least one active shooter situation, I understand just how important communications and logistics are. And kind of the biggest problem I ever saw, and this dates back 20 plus years now, was interoperability and the ability to talk to other people, um, other responders when they show up and people aren't all on the same network. That, that presents a big challenge. It used to be worse. Um, but I understand uh, FirstNet's rapid response has solved part of that problem. Can you can you talk to me a little bit about that? Sure, Frank. Uh, you know the the uh, uh, FirstNet is is addressing a number of uh, cutting edge innovation topics in its implementation, and one of which is is the LMR to LTE evolution. Uh, LMR continues to be an integral part of of a first responders uh, toolbox, and the LTE push to talk capability is in addition to that. So it's not one or the other; it's on top of. And these things integrate and work pretty well. FirstNet Rapid Response is uh, one of the two mission-critical push-to-talk products we implement in FirstNet. The other is called FirstNet Push-to-Talk. Uh, and they're, they're both able to supplement LMR operations. They're both able to do things that we can't do in our LMR radios. But uh, So they're a nice uh, uh, additive piece to that. For example, you could get on scene with an LTE device and you can create talk groups specifically with users in mind specifically for that event uh, they can be they can be unique with people from different groups or different agencies and you can create those dynamically in real time and then 48 hours from now it'll ask you do you want to keep this group you can say no we're done with that group uh, in the past we used to have to take our radios and a laptop and put it on a, on the hood of a pickup truck and program the radio in which to do so a lot of those things can be done dynamically now that's just one example of the benefits Keeping LTR, but also being able to leverage LTE and FirstNet and the push-to-talk capabilities it offers. So for the folks on the, that are listening to this who are as ignorant of this as I am, what does LMR stand for? Uh, Land Mobile Radio. It's the, uh, the basic way uh, first responders have communicated for the last 60, 70 years now. Uh, basically, your, your radio, whether it's a mobile radio or a portable radio, your radio for your LMR system. Uh, that your your agency provides you the communications to us. And, and I know everybody's familiar with those. In fact, I was around long enough to go 
to know when we didn't have mobile radios at all. They were all mounted in the cruisers, and that was a big thing. Um, and LTE stands for? Uh, Long-term evolution. That's the uh, the current standard uh, in your uh in any of your wireless commercial devices, uh, FirstNet is 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 predicated on that and built on that LTE foundation. You have, LTE is the precursor to 5G. So 5G is what you hear now. These standards have a tendency to overlap and coexist with each other in the transition. It'd be easy if you could just take a couple hundred million devices and switch them all over in one day, but you can't do that. So the LTE is the foundational technology that first that was built on 5g is the next iteration 6g and 7g as we go forward so right now we're looking at an lmr to lte transition some agencies are all looking at that they're all incorporating that the manufacturers have recognized that hey we have an lmr radio but we also have a first net sim in the back of it to enable lte to give the user a deeper toolbox and give them more capabilities as they're operating on a day-to-day -day basis. Still the LMR radio, but now they're enhancing its capabilities. And, you know, more, more capabilities means more options, and more options means more efficient response and solutions. Uh, you, you use the word dynamically several times talking about that. How fast can this happen when an event occurs and it's needed? Uh, it, it can be done in real time. Uh, a supervisor can decide this event has happened. We have entities coming from agency A, agency B. Some are local, some are state, some are federal, but they can dynamically group those and, and do so geographically. Think of having an iPad in your hand with your finger drawing a circle around these users and creating a talk group from them, doing it in real time. The user will get a splash page on their device, accepting that they're in that talk group now. That could be done in real time because the network's able to be manipulated in that way. And Frank, you made the mention of, of additional capabilities. A lot of these things are implemented where it doesn't require configuration or any input from the user. He just now has a talk group that he knows leverages this particular group of users in this unique circumstance. He doesn't have to go program anything or turn a knob or turn and press and hold a knob or anything like that. It's, it's available to him. And as the LMR to LTE integration continues, we're seeing instances where the device can operate on LMR, but also operate on LTE at the same time. And at any given time, it can pull those two systems. At any given time, you just say, look, you just press the button, you're gonna get the best experience that either of these networks could offer. Isn't that awesome? And, and I'm not joking, that's not sarcasm. For the listeners out there, uh, I remember the days where you had to call a dispatcher on the radio, ask them to transmit something to somebody else to coordinate, to get an answer back, to give it to you. And by the time you got the response or the communication occurred, it may have been too late. It was after the fact you didn't need it. Circumstances had changed. So th this is truly an amazing capability uh, and offering options and communications. And it really supports the response when you think about it. And I use one example of an active shooter event I know. Um, the, the response involved three different sheriff's offices, some federal officers, some off-duty county officers, not only from the next county, but across the river, so it was the next state. And communicating all of them coordinated was one of the biggest challenges. And I would also remind our first responders that in the, in the moment, in the event response, during the immediate incident, that's not the only time that this coordinated effort and the coordinated communications need to occur, that the response and mitigation after the fact. If you think about, um, and for the for the listeners, just so you know, this is actually being recorded on September 11th, 2023. So September 11th and the attacks that occurred in 2001, 
are obviously on everybody's mind. And you think about how many different first responder agencies you know, had to react on those days in the different locations. And wouldn't this have been just an awesome tool to have had for coordination communication in those days? This is an evolution that can really change how things work. Yeah, that, that, that's absolutely correct, Frank. And, and the other thing with regard to FirstNet is FirstNet differentiates the first responders from the other users of the network, and it prioritizes the other user, the, those, those first responders. So in a 9-11 such event that, where the consumer traffic consumed the networks, uh, the ability for the first responders, that's, a, that's a, 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 a principled element of FirstNet's architecture is the FirstNet users go first and their traffic goes first and the other commercial users, uh, are, their needs are addressed after those first responders are needed. So, so that process is, is really kind of ingrained and, and the architecture of FirstNet represents the, the capabilities we've learned, unfortunately, from the 9-11s and other incidents so we, we, we've created an architecture where those first responders traffic goes first and it always goes first and they have the best experience on the network. The, other, the rest of the commercial users will get what, uh, they'll be able to get use the network assets after those uh, first responders needs are met. One of the things that's always been a benefit and blessing from FirstNet. So let, let's talk about something for a second since we, I, since I brought up 9-11 and, and Lord knows an active shooter responses. Um, I know of one public school in my area that's five stories tall. I understand that uh, Intrepid Response for FirstNet offers kind of 3D locational capability, not just where you are in the ground, X and Y, but also where you are above the ground. Is that correct? Yeah, it does. It not only does it offer the XY coordinates, which it's a situational awareness platform that allows that location, but it also uh, uses... Uh, uh, the device to determine the barometric pressure and the difference between the first floor and the eighth floor. And it will it will extrapolate that and it will give the information and, and particularly with regard to a, a, a 10-story building. It's great to know the address, but it's really important to know whether that particular injured party or that particular uh, suspect is on the second floor, the sixth floor, or the 10th floor. So so the, the XY access has become pretty pretty uh, uh, regular within the space. The ability for Z-axis and that, that altitude interpretation is a unique piece. Uh, the Intrepid Response for FirstNet app offers that, and uh, we're proud to be able to offer that kind of capability. And those of, that, that Z-axis piece is not just going to be by us. That eventually, Z-axis is going to be in in uh, a part of everything that we do with our devices. Uh, 911 is going to be able to interpret all the Z access, not just XY, but also the the uh, the altitude. So that's it's it's first in FirstNet, but we think that the ability for knowing uh, the vertical location of that user is going to become commonplace pretty soon. And, you know, there's, there's no way to understate the value of that, the uh, or overstate the value of that, actually, when if, if I'm the officer who needs help and I'm on the seventh floor of a building and I've given an address, if for some reason I have the, I'm unable to communicate that seventh floor location, um, the, you know, for, for other people to know where it is and be able to, to get that location is that, I mean, that's just a, a boon to anybody looking to help me, locate me, rescue me, assist me, whatever that, that that's phenomenal capability. Right. And, and I, I think the 
you know, the Z access piece, uh, just like the XY, there's always been, you know, always striving for better accuracy. Well, it was originally, if you remember the original cell phone calls, they would trace it back to a tower. That was the, you'd say, well, we know that they're hitting this tower. Well, that could be quite a bit of, that could be quite a bit of area. Then they get down to the device itself and they get it within 10 meters and they get it within six meters and they get, so, so the technology allows for these things to become more exact. And we think the Z-axis piece will become more detailed and more accurate as well. As these products evolve, as new standards are, are, are built, uh, we, we think there'll be greater use of Z-axis and we think they'll actually be more accurate over time. I want to remind our listeners that this podcast episode and series is sponsored by AT&T FirstNet. In an emergency, like an active shooter situation, you need a reliable way to communicate with the extended public safety community. FirstNet is the first and only nationwide communications platform built with and for first responders, providing a dedicated platform with a prioritized connection and no throttling. Visit FirstNet.com to learn more. Now, Stephen, since we talked about in the buildings, one of the things we've always had a problem with is transmitting out or getting signal in. Can, can you talk to me about, is there anything being done for that? There is, Frank. Uh, you know, uh, the uh, the First Net Authority has recognized that in addition to outdoor coverage, that in-building solutions are necessary. First responders spend a lot of time in building uh, and for a number of reasons, whether it's responding to a call or or or, or community-based work. So in-building communications is critical and that's to be able to use their communications. The ability for the public to dial 911 is critical to public safety. It's critical for people who are in buildings to be able to get uh, receive uh, alerts uh, in buildings. But there's a number of elements that in-building communications and, and a solution like FirstNet can support. It could support first responders and their data communications and voice communications needs inside a building. Can also support 911 and, and the alerting capabilities. We at AT&T FirstNet have a number of solutions that, uh, that we incorporate into buildings. Many buildings already have the larger buildings, your stadiums, your convention centers. They all have in-building solutions that are in place. There's about 6 million buildings in the country, and of those 6 million, there's 1 million that are about somewhere between, anywhere between 80 to 100,000 square foot to 200,000 square foot. And those buildings, you know, are kind of in, the, in between. They're not small buildings, and they're not massive, huge buildings. So they're in the middle there, and we really think that there's a, there's a real opportunity to address a number of solutions we have uh, single, uh, we have small cells, we have off-air repeaters that we put into buildings. Some buildings actually benefit from the outdoor macro coverage. So we encourage people in the communities to look and determine what their in-building capabilities are and reach out to us because we have a number of tools in which we can implement that. Uh, as you know, LMR has coverage uh, based on the fire code has coverage in buildings where a jurisdiction will require somebody building a new building. Hey, my radio system has to work in there. We're seeing now, we're seeing agencies still saying, hey, my radio system has to work in your new building, but I also want FirstNet Band 14 in that building as well. So part of this LMR to LTE migration is we're starting to see the places where public safety always has wanted LMR, they're really wanting to start to see FirstNet in that as well. So that trends, those trends continue. The good news is there's a couple of different ways to facilitate in-building coverage, uh, and uh, we're certainly here to support anybody interested in more, more on that. So speaking of that, some of the problem used to be simple power 
uh, transmission reception. Um, and I saw some information about something called mega range. Can you talk to me about mega range and the, I guess it's the power increase from a regular smartphone? Uh, absolutely. Uh, so FirstNet uh, utilizes, uh, the FirstNet authority provided its contractor AT&T with uh, 20 megahertz of spectrum in what's called band 14, 700 megahertz spectrum that we were uh, uh, as their contractor obligated to go out and build out. Uh, band 14 has special permissions by the FCC to use uh, one up uh, 31 dBm up to 1.2 watts in the uplink. So from your device to the tower is normally with a smartphone about a quarter watt, 0.2 watts. Uh, FirstNet is capable of, of, of operating and band 14 is capable of operating up to six times that power. So think of when you're in a parking garage or in a rural area where on the other side of a mountain or something like that, where you'll able, you're able to get out and you're able to get out at the cell edge better with the higher power than you would be with your traditional smartphone. So the FCC has given special dispensation to that. We have a number of products that support that and called the, those products are under the uh, FirstNet Mega Range uh, title. And uh, that, that brand uh, label we give them allows routers and other devices to operate at that higher power, supporting those first responders. That's a band 14 only piece, but it's unique in that it gives additional high power. So when you're at the cell edge, you're going to have a better experience because you're, you have a higher power between you and the tower site. And if terrain or anything else is blocking it, you're always going to have a better option with additional power. So uh, that's unique to FirstNet. Uh, no other commercial wireless carrier offers that. That's a unique band 14 piece that the FCC has, uh, has provided. So then that begs another question from me because my, my knowledge is somewhat limited on this. Um, does that require special equipment on the part of the first responder? Or is it something built in the background we would never even notice except that we've got the signal that we wouldn't normally have? Well, what it does is normally a user will have a router. That router will create a Wi-Fi bubble. The, the mega range equipment basically operates in a router modem configuration. So the smart device would, would access, you could still use your smart device, but instead of accessing a regular Wi-Fi, you'd be accessing mega range Wi-Fi, which then allows your traffic to be leveraging that higher power up to the no, up to the uh, the tower site. So, so it's the same configuration as what a modem router configuration you would have, but the modem router operates at the higher power. So you don't have to replace your device out. You just have to affiliate with the proper router in the back of the vehicle, et cetera. So uh, it it uses the same equipment. It's just specific router modem configurations that leverage that power. Interesting. Interesting. So let me, the last thing I want to ask you about today is um, FirstNet Response Ops Group. I, I always love anything that has to do with operations groups because we know how all the people are out there and, and they want to all be part of a special operations anything. But uh, my understanding is that this is a group uh, built out of people who have first responder experience and knowledge and know what we need. Can, can you tell me some more about them? Yeah, so the first response operations group, we internally refer to them as ROG, R-O-G. Uh, they're made up of uh, former public safety officials uh, from all different walks uh, uh, with their career, and they're specifically focused on deployments, whether that's uh, Hurricane Adelia, for example, or Hurricane Ida. We had people in the field for days or weeks on end with those things, uh, the, the, the wildfires in Maui. 
uh, they deploy to areas where the network has been compromised or where the network or where there was no network at any one time. Uh, the Mojave Desert, for example, would be a place where there is no coverage out there. But if something occurred, they would they would take it out and deploy it. They use uh, band 14 solutions with satellite backhaul. Uh, there's a number of different solutions that we can deploy. Uh, and those uh, those teams go out and support uh, the public safety. When as a FirstNet customer, when they make a request for uh, they need assistance or they have a planned event that we do it for both planned and unplanned events. Uh, when they make that request, they'll turn around, they'll triage that, they'll look at the network and they'll go ahead and send somebody out uh, and deploy that asset for as long as they need. We've had some post-hurricane in Florida where we've deployed assets that have been out there for months on end before the fiber and the wireline can be reestablished. And, and the sheriff made the request. It's at no cost to him. He's a first net customer. And we're going to be out there to support him as long as it needs to take before he can get his communications back up and running. So uh, the, the, they work 24-7. You'll be on, uh, uh, you can on a Saturday night at 11.30 p.m. There's a, a storm went through a community and XYZ, and they'll be on uh, working with other AT&T folks who seem to never sleep. Uh, working to make sure that that coverage is, is doled out and they get the right resources to the people who need it the most. So I want to make sure I understand this. These are a group of AT&T FirstNet employees who have the technical knowledge to set up essentially replacement networks and put them in place until the, the regular network, so to speak, gets repaired. And in the meantime, are backing that technical knowledge up, they're actually first responder veterans, so they know what's needed, how it's needed, how important it is, and so on and so forth. They have that the mixed background to do that? They do. They do. They have the experience. They know exactly what it is that they need. They're basically deploying a mobile cell site, and they're taking that out. Uh, they'll, they'll determine where to put it. They'll work with the police chief or the fire chief as to, hey, we need 100 feet by 100 feet. We don't want to put this in the mud for fear that it's going to keep raining and we'll never get it out. So we try to find a place for it. We work with the with the community and the and where they need coverage. This has gone down. A tornado's come through and knocked out power, et cetera. They bring their own power, their own generators, their own assets, and they basically say, "Okay, here's what what, what do you need? Here's what they need." And then we work with the the agency themselves to determine uh, this is what they have to have. This is how long they have to have it for. If there's additional resources they need to bring in, they can do that as well. So all of that is at no charge for a FirstNet customer. That's uh, that ability to make that request and to get those additional resources is, is part of our responsibility in delivering the FirstNet services. You know, I'm going to make an observation here. Obviously, I don't work for ATT FirstNet. I work for Officer Media Group, and, and I'm a veteran first responder. I spent some time as a volunteer fireman. I tip my hat to all of them because I realized I'd rather fight people than fire. And so I spent my career in law enforcement. But when FirstNet says it's the first and only nationwide communications platform built with and for first responders, that's not just a tagline. You guys have prior service first responders, part of your team, helping to guide build what first responders need. And I don't think that you can put a, a value on that. No, I, I think you're right. It's it's because those people will, will – the. 
they'll work smarter and harder because they've been in those positions and they remember what it was like when they had those issues and they had those outages. So they're quick to they're quick to know who to talk to and say, okay, when we do this, these are the these are the pros and cons if we do this configuration. Well, the chief may say, well, that works for me there, but I'd really like to have this. We've got a number of resources. They'll deploy uh, devices. They'll deploy mega range equipment. They'll bring a number of resources out with them. Uh, including charging stations and all of those things that agencies would need because they assume the worst. They, it may not be as bad as they think, but they assume the worst possible scenario. They're prepared for just about anything, and they're prepared to be out there for days, if not weeks on time. They may cycle users in and out over time, but that's their job, and, and that's uh, that's the way that they, they manage it. And they've been in those shoes, so they know how important it is to get it right. You know, for the chiefs out there that are my age and older, that's got to seem like something of a miracle worker team showing up. Well, yeah, you have you have your own as a first net customer, you have your own cadre of people who can come out and, and support you during the times of need. And that's their priority. That's their main function. We we as the first net, the, the government's contractor, our job is to deliver. And uh, and if we don't, they let us know. So uh, our job is to is to meet the needs of the first responders. And we're going to do that, and uh, they they have the ability to make that request, and we take that request in a timely manner, and we decide. And if there's a question of, well, maybe the network will come back up, send the resource anyway. If it gets three-quarters of the way there and the network comes back up, then we'll bring it back. But we always defer to the worst-case scenario. We better get it out there just in case the network, something happens or somebody puts a mailbox in or something somewhere where there's an outage. That, that outage shouldn't be something that the first responders have to deal with. We should get the network back up and running. We'll worry about the outage in the back end, get the network fixed. But in the meantime, we've got to give them something that they can they can use to get their work done on a day-to-day -day basis. And that's kind of awesome. Stephen, I want to thank you for all your time today and answering my questions, helping me understand everything FirstNet does and some of these other products. Do you have anything you want to say to our listeners before we sign out? No, Frank, I appreciate the time. You know, it's a, uh, we, we really see FirstNet as a foundational piece uh, of, of the, the public safety first responder toolbox, just like uh, the, the lights and sirens and, and all of the other tools that they need. Uh, we really think FirstNet is that foundational piece that brings those elements of, of, of putting the first responder first. And, and, other, other networks are designed to do a number of different things. And yeah, they may offer this service as a byproduct. Our, our sole reason for existence is to support first responders. And we take that pretty seriously. Well said, sir. I want to thank you very much for all your time today, uh, all the information for those listening. Remember that this is just one out of a six-part series on active shooter response. Uh, you can locate all of those on Podbean or you can find them on officer.com through the podcast link. And I want everybody to stay safe. Thank you for listening to this episode of Officer Roll Call. Be sure to check back every two weeks for a new episode. Stay safe.